1: Hello and welcome to Masoni and Marshall, a meaningful marketplace. Thanks for joining us as we hear the stories of female food entrepreneurs. We're glad you joined us today. We are honored to hear the stories of hope and inspiration for all of our food friends out there. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce.
0: And Sarah Masoni of Oregon State University's College of Agriculture Food Innovation Center. <laughs> title change <laughs> Sarah do you know that
1: today right now is our 100th episode
0: are you kidding me it's our 100th episode that's so exciting how could we do this 100 times I don't know can you believe it I feel like
1: when we started did you think that we would record 100 episodes I mean I thought we
0: would record a thousand episodes <laughs>
1: You're in it for the long haul. All right. I guess um here's to a thousand episodes. <laughs> we just have to do 10 times what we've already done. Mm-hmm. I think it's possible. We might, we might have to start hit the recording. It very took hard. us, uh,
0: what, three years to do a hundred. So that yeah. means we're going to be doing this for a while. A long times. time.
1: We're invested. And we're lifers. <laughs> 30 more years. <laughs> Well, I just wanted to thank you for bringing me along on your podcast journey with you. Oh, and,
0: thanks, Sarah. Thank yeah, you.
1: It's been really fun. And thanks to our team. It takes a lot of people to put the show on. So thanks everybody it's and a our village. Yeah. And our sponsors and our guests. And yeah. of course our listeners. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> thanks a million. To a million more.
0: To <laughs> a million.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Something like that. Well, That'd Sarah, be a lot. I saw that you were um, cooking today for the community at the yeah. Food Innovation Center.
0: Were you doing some turkeys? Yeah, we did turkeys. That's so cool. Um, now you have to bring that up. And I'm not very good at remembering stuff. So I'm just going to cheat and look here. Um, <laughs> You're going to check your own Instagram to see what you were doing? <laughs> yeah. We're actually... You know what? This is the second annual turkey cookout at the Food Innovation Center. We're working with Waves Caribbean, Patrick Prince. He flew up from Texas.
1: And
0: I was talking to him today. He has three manufacturing facilities for his jerk sauces and um, jerk rubs. And this year, there's a shortage of turkeys. Last year, we actually did 105 turkeys. I think this year we only had uh, we had 16 that were pre-cooked because those were available. And then he brought in 16 that were raw and they were enormous. Like some of these turkeys were as big as I've ever seen. And then we had an additional frozen 30 turkeys that we, um, they're just too frozen. So I think we're take a look at them tomorrow, but I'm not exactly sure. Anyway, they got um, sent to the feed the mass Folks. Oh, great. That's so awesome. So we'll be, that'll be the tur- turkey starting t- today, Wednesday, no tomorrow. I think starting tomorrow people will be getting meals. That's so good. You know, yeah. I know the there's been the,
1: the turkey shortage of, of the year. I um, signed up to bring um, some Thanksgiving meals to families at Adeline school. And I panicked because I was supposed to bring a turkey and ham. <laughs> of them, And I couldn't find them any, anywhere because um, everywhere was sold out. But then I, I just contacted Nikki USA and they helped me out.
0: <laughs> well, that's smart thinking because actually there are turkeys at the Safeway in Milwaukee if you need. Are there? Them. Oh, good. Well, everybody, everybody needs to know. When I was shopping there on Sunday, I was going to pick up a 12 pound turkey and Amy, my daughter, our daughter said... But, Mama, you're making spaghetti and meatballs this year. You don't need a turkey. And I, I was like, well, uh, maybe I should just put one in my freezer. I know. I know. Well, like, kind mama. of when, when things run out, it makes you feel like you have to get it. I know. I was like, should I hoard a turkey into my freezer just in case?
1: I know. I know. I was
0: like about to panic by. But, um, yeah. And then but she's everyone, like, Mama, you don't need a turkey. If you leave it in the case, it'll be better for someone else to have it. It's true.
1: It's true. We don't even really we don't cook a turkey or do that for Thanksgiving, but we just needed it for the school. But um, we do a seafood boil always. So my family comes over and we do, you know, crab and potatoes and I heard the crab
0: crabs open up like Oprah is opening the first. So you should be able to find some crab.
1: Yeah, we usually if it's if it's not in season locally, we go to the ABC seafood on powell because they have live crabs there and you
0: can just get them oh (laughs) i didn't know that
1: yeah it's a fun little spot if you've never been in there you can go check out all their seafood tanks they're pretty cool what is it abc yeah it's called abc seafood yeah it's on powell and like 60th
0: oh i'm gonna go Mm mm-hmm
1: fun Well, we're just not just here to talk about Thanksgiving and all of our shows. We have a guest today, of course. Our 100th guest. (laughs) Our 100th guest. I would like to introduce our guest, Kim Wilson. Kim is the co-founder of Good King. She produces unique cacao
2: snacks. Welcome, Kim. Thank you, Sarah and Sarah. It is such a pleasure to be here and hang with you guys. You have We're so much fun on your podcast. So I'm just like <laughs> excited to be here. <laughs> We're so excited to have you. Are you? I
1: um you sent me some wonderful snacks, but before that, I hadn't heard of you. Are you based in Seattle?
0: Yes. Okay. Yes, but she's been down to Portland many times. She has been to Portland.
2: I yep. have. In the beginning of my journey, Sarah Masoni was critical. That's right. <laughs> Truly. Yes.
0: I whipped her into shape in our kitchen here. I was like, I'm pretty sure you're not doing that right. Let's try it this
2: way. That's what you do. (laughs) Very grateful (laughs) that she does that.
1: (laughs) Well, Kim, we want to, first of all, connect you to our listeners. So um, can you tell people how to find you on social media,
2: places of that sort? Yes. Instagram and Facebook at Good King Cacao. And then on our website, goodking.co.
1: Perfect. Well, people will find you and follow along on your journey, but let's talk about what specifically you make because I called it a
2: cacao snack. I don't know if that's what it is. Tell us what you make. That is. um, Well, we call it snacking cacao, but cacao snack works as well. Uh, It is a whole crunchy caramelized cacao bean it's the exact same ingredients as chocolate but Mm -hmm. because it's made in a way that we work with the farming communities to make it and so we wanted to do something that wouldn't melt so they could do it from beginning to end in a tropical warm climate and you can't do that with chocolate so
0: so is it actually being produced in the tropical climate
2: Um, ours is not here yet because of the food safety stuff, but they actually do make it locally and sell it locally. Yeah. Okay.
1: And so did you, did you invent this? Because I've never seen it anywhere else. I had never
0: seen it anywhere else either. (laughs) She invented it.
2: That's so cool. (laughs) She's a genius. I would not say that I invented it. It was actually, it was something, I mean, it's, yeah. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate that. <laughs> but it was something that actually came through prayer and through just trying to understand what could be done in the farming communities. And so it's been a lot of uh, trial and error with our partners in, in Honduras and in Indonesia. Yeah. So
1: I'm guessing if you, if you start at the beginning of your snack journey, it's where the cacao beans are produced, right? So. Yeah. So you said, you mentioned Honduras. Mm -hmm. Is that where most of of your beans come from?
2: Now, yes. We started originally with our partners in Indonesia and South Sulawesi, and then uh, wanted to get connected to additional farming co-ops that were particularly supporting women. And Honduras was introduced to us. And so they've been a partner since late 2016.
0: Long time. When did you first come to the FIC? I can't even remember.
2: Uh, uh, Either 20, I think 2015 or 2014. I'm not. Yeah, I think it was before you started. Yeah. Oh, then 2014. Yeah.
0: That means I've known you for seven years. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Sarah Oh, maybe you're the reason my hair turned white. <laughs> oh no! Oh, oh, oh.
2: Just kidding. That's it wasn't that's true. So. It was a different color when we met. Although mine was too. Mine used to be much blonder, and then I moved from Southern California to Washington and it got darker.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that that happens for sure. Um, if we're gonna talk about some of the um lingo about um, sourcing, because I know that's a really important part of your process. So when you say things, because you, when you list your product, you say where things are sourced from and say things like single origin and direct trade. If people don't know what those things mean, can you explain them and why they're important?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So single origin um, is a term that comes from coffee, but it also So, um, it's actually used in wine, which was my prior background and cacao. And what it means is that we're actually taking cacao from a very specific geography and we're not blending it with any other cacao. Why, why that's important is not, I mean, one, you get a unique flavor and terroir from it, but, um, mostly it means that it it's not commodity grade, so you know that the farmers are typically getting paid more. If you know where that cocoa is coming from, you know that the supply chains a little bit more direct, which is typically better for people in the chain. Um, and then you you get to you know if you if you try from multiple origins, like I I can't remember if your snack packs had the Indonesian cacao beans in them for strength, but if they do, like they're a very distinct fruity um, more fruity bean to them. And so it's really fun to, to taste how things taste different from place to place. Um, there was, what was the other, you said single origin and what was the other term, Sarah? I've already. Oh, uh, that. D- direct <laughs> trade. Direct, we, yeah. yeah. So direct trade is a little bit more of a you know depending on who you talk to there's slightly different definitions but typically so the way I use direct trade is directly trading with a farmer co-op um, and so I work directly with that co-op we you know I I frequently I mean non-covid times would be there at least once a year to work together to start developing new products to continue to to take things forward in terms of them producing the finished product someday we hope. Um, And then uh, but others might define direct trade as, as trading with one specific farmer and consider us co-ops get a little bit tricky because with cacao, a lot of people may not know this, but cacao is actually a fermented food. And so oftentimes a single farmer wouldn't have enough cacao harvested at once to to do the fermentation so typically you'll have multiple farmers in a single fermentation and so then direct trade gets a little bit more that's where it's in cacao and coffee and like places like that or um well all of them i guess have some sort of fermentation process in which case there's there's typically more than one farmer involved
1: We just had one of our past guests that was part of a dairy co-op. So we talked all about like the structure of that and how it helps small farms. So I think that, um, that it sounds like also with the, um, with the coffee and the cacao bean trade, it might be in that same world where you kind of need a bunch of people to work together to make things happen. And I mean, I think it
0: makes it more artisan if every bean sort of has its own flavor, even if you blended from different harvests together and had multiple sort of all coated with the same flavor on the outside, but maybe the inside was a little bit different. I think that would make it really interesting.
1: Yeah. I, you mentioned the strength flavor and, um, all of your different strength flavor. packs. Yeah. have, have, flavor options but they also have names like strength and love and things like that and then the and then the district descriptions underneath so the strength one is the one that you just mentioned that has a um kind of citrusy flavor Mm -hmm. and so the the components of that one are smoked paprika chili and orange and it was of course the first one i tried because it was spicy
0: So, well, uh,
2: that is spicy. Yeah, it's spicy. Yeah, you know, Sony, no. And mm-hmm. Sarah Marshall, you can have her pack. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> about
1: that. <laughs> it is. It's spicy. And, it, and what I love is that it's crunchy. Because if you were going to eat chocolate or something as a snack, it's always soft. And so, this is like why when I tried this, I was so shocked because I, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I think it's really cool.
0: I think it's fun and interactive. Div? i don't know if i tried this one or somebody else snuck a
2: sample i don't I like remember this. this flavor which I flavor like are you flavor. trying now sarah masoni the strength one. Yeah. oh! oh i'm worried about her spice level no nah, she'll she'll be into she'll it she'll be okay yeah
1: <laughs> i think it's really fun
0: the orange is really good in there
2: yeah thank you how do you uh mm. come up with your different flavors that you do Well, Sarah was part of the beginning with this. Mm -hmm. Um, But the way that the way I originally did the first flavors we launched was trying to play off other herbs and spices that have high antioxidant values. Because when when I initially launched, I really thought I was going to lean more towards like a very healthy snack. And it turns out that people don't (laughs) <laughs> really care to be told that it's that they're eating something healthy, or then they don't like it as much <laughs> um, so yep um so I've learned that over time but so that was how you know we we first developed like love in particular with like cinnamon nutmeg cardamom clove um the joy is mint rosemary and sea salt rosemary also is very high in antioxidants um and then we had, and Sarah was Sarah Massoni was instrumental in this one. We had a lemon, lavender, and thyme flavor, but we called peace, but it no longer lives. So I guess it <laughs> rests in peace. <laughs> it was too characterizing with the rosemary lavender. Or so we, it was the no, the it was lemon lavender and thyme, and people like even though when when people actually tasted it, they loved it. Oh, but it was uh, yeah that one's that one's a really strong mint too. make sure you eat that one after strength (laughs) 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 but um the yeah lavender ended up being too polarizing for people so it gets kind of
0: soapy tasting
2: people assumed that it would the 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 description for that one the most often was like a it was it was very prominent with the lemon. And so people a couple of people joked it was like tricks cereal from when we were kids. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was Whoa. like that kind of that kind of like candied lemon mm-hmm. with a little bit of floral to it, but that's okay. We Yeah, there's I mean, some
1: certain things that um if you use them as an ingredient, you have to be ready for people to either completely love it or completely hate it. So one is there's yeah. like dry. Yeah, there, uh, there's like, we have that with ginger. Like some people, Ooh. our most popular fl- flavors are serrano, ginger, lemongrass, but some people cannot stand ginger. And so they will just say it right away when they taste it. They're I like, look. <laughs> <ginger. laughs> yeah. Or cilantro is another thing like yeah. that, where if you put that and um, and we don't use it, but I mean, if we did. It, you some people have are to highly deal with allergic that. to that. Yeah, for sure. But I think lavender is that way too, because it, you know, people um, don't, they don't often characterize it as food. They characterize it more of like a, mm-hmm. flor- a flower, not something to eat. So you just have exactly. to be ready.
0: <laughs> Unless you're in France and you're using Herbs de Provence because yeah. they have rosemary. They put it in. And in. they have lavender. lavender. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, in France, they use a lot of flour. Um, you know, different flavorings like the candied violets you see everywhere. And yeah, it's just not yeah. something that we're used to eating here. We think of it more as perfume. <laughs> so,
2: Unless yes. it's food.
1: So now, I've been now I've just been snacking. I got all these snacks in my teeth. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they are, yeah. It's funny. They are you know they're crunchy. And I think people people often don't think of chocolate as coming from a crunchy seed and so it's really surprising for people but even talking what you were talking about before Sarah Marshall about um like you were surprised that they're crunchy and we've learned like even like even though it appeals to dark chocolate lovers that it's a completely different occasion because they're crunchy like whereas chocolates like that normally you'd have that piece or two to really slow down and wind down so many people like What's been really fun is most, m- almost all of our customers that send in like pictures of them using it are out on hikes. They're out do- like outdoors. And it's like, how often do you get a food where, especially, you know, a chocolate product where almost everybody's who's sending you pictures back is outdoors. It's, it's so fun. Yeah. Because um, yeah, it won't melt. Yeah. But well, also
0: it's nutrient dense, like you said, and you look at the label and it has nine grams of fiber in this little tiny bag. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing.
2: It really is. We, you know, you look at like the FDA saying like, that's one of the, like. The 28 in- grams the-
0: is the daily value
2: and you have nine in here. Yeah. So you have
0: over 30% of the daily value.
2: Yep. So you can have it for breakfast. That's what I say. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, ladies, we're going to take a quick
1: break and we'll come back and talk about some more wonderful things.
0: Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of Meaningful Marketplace. With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard by providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system, because food brings people together. Okay, Kim, can you tell us more about the farming communities and the women that you work with?
2: Yeah, I would love to. That's my favorite part of my job. Um, so we started working with uh, our partners in Indonesia, Koptan Masagena, back in 2014. And that one was a complete... surprise. Um, I had spent about three months on the ground in Indonesia the year prior just kind of learning about um, the ground realities of cocoa farming and what can be done because the reason I got into uh, cacao and chocolate was because um, I had heard about bonded labor in the cacao supply chain and I just I wanted to see if there was a way to be part of the solution and So I had wanted to do some experiments, had been thinking about options, like types of products that wouldn't melt or value added that could be done in the farming communities, just recognizing that that's a a great way to multiply income. I mean, you you guys know, because you focus on a lot of local makers and local sourcing, and it's the same thing. Like when we go abroad, like they you know, if they can do more value-added steps locally, they'll earn more. And so I had approached a specific co-op about doing an experiment with me. And I had met only one female cocoa farmer the year prior. I had a, like, literally she was one of the photos on my screensaver because it was just such a unique experience to meet her. And I went back to this co-op and I said, Hey, want to do this experiment? And, um, that they were, I said, you know, you have a few people that could help me. And the next day five women showed up Oh, and I was like, what, <laughs> what just happened? And, you know, it took me a little while to really understand. Cause I, 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 I truly hadn't known what was going to happen, but in, in several rural communities around the world, and it seems to be pretty consistent men do the cocoa farming um, predominantly and women are in the kitchen. Um, and so once you Those start- kitchens. Tr- you start transforming the product into something that's not just an agricultural export, but that's, that's a food product. Then that's where the women naturally get involved. And it wasn't like, I like said, Oh, I only want to work with women. Um, but then when we realized that, so that group, you know, continued to experiment with me the first year. I mean, we tripped over so many crazy ideas (laughs) that didn't work. (laughs) They were very patient. Um, and then we, you know, like literally exported what I could like pay for extra baggage to come back from Indonesia. They, it was quite, quite the sight. I have some old photos that I crack up that. But um, then the following year, just you know, things started to to connect with them, and I the guy that advises us on food safety um, heard about what we were doing in Indonesia and was compelled by the, the increase in income that we were seeing. And he was like, Hey, I've got the, you know, there's a couple of people in Honduras that I think might be a good fit for you. And so that was how we got connected with the group in Honduras. And that was just another really amazing story because they had that particular co-op is quite large in coffee and just planted cacao maybe, I don't know if it was seven or eight years ago now, um, as a diversification strategy for their income. And they have quite a few un or underemployed women in the community and were actively looking for things that they could do that were safer than coffee picking. Because coffee picking Mm -hmm. tends to be really remote and they're in areas where um just they're they're unsafe. Yeah. And um so they wanted to do things that they could bring the women into a central location and work together. So so they had been looking for something like our project and I had been of course looking for additional partners. So that was how we got connected with those two and they're very exceptional both in terms of you know it's not I mean now when, when I got started, many of the cacao co-ops were only looking to export, or not only, but you know, you didn't hear of a lot of them starting to make chocolate or make value-added products. And now I feel like uh, eight years later that that's way more common than it was when, when I got started. So it's exciting to see. I, I love seeing that. Cool.
0: So I got a question for you. Yeah, is there any bug that's the exact same shape as the cacao bean that you have to worry about? Because <laughs> oh, I read no. that you really hate bugs. And <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> might I add that bugs are kind of you know the wave of the future for a new protein source? So I was just wondering.
2: <laughs> I um, I do hate bugs. <laughs> I have not seen any. I have not seen any that look exactly like a cacao bean. Oh, good. (laughs) Good. (laughs) (laughs) You're lucky. You're lucky. Um,
1: When you talk about your snack being um, lightly caramelized, so is that part, and you don't have to tell us your secrets or anything, but is that part of how you make it crunchy is that it's like you're taking the beans and you're caramelizing them?
2: They no the cacao beans on their own would already be crunchy. They're so surprisingly it's, crunchy. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's like I, they're 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 similar crunch, maybe even a little bit like I feel like they're less dense, but similarly crunchy to like a roasted almond. Yeah. Okay.
1: I mean yeah. I've never had I've never had them or really even seen them until you sent me these. am
2: nobody's they're so, they're so cool. Thank you.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking about when you were talking about them not melting, we were talking about the heat. I, you know, I have a lot of chocolate farmers market buddies, and it doesn't even get that high in Portland or in the Pacific Northwest, but it doesn't really matter because you're still always having to think about shipping to customers, shipping to other places, bringing things into stores. You always have to think about temperature control. So it's really nice that you don't have that problem. You can just, Go do events or go ship things all around. You don't have to worry about it melting.
2: It is really nice. We carry chocolate bars on our site that are made from the our partner's beans. And you know, I I joke with the girlfriend that makes those the bars um, chocolate spiel. Um, I'm like Angie when I saw this. Like I'm like, do you have to check? check weather for every order that you send out on your website. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I am so thankful. That my, it's super. Well, yeah. And yeah, I mean, you just kind of learn. It's like, you know, you talk to any chocolate maker, you know, particularly like the September, October timeframe, and they know the weather all over the U.S. because they yeah. have to know what it is when they land. Yeah. And then we don't have to do any ice packing or anything like that, which is really nice. So the cacao plant
0: is a tree and then it has these little orchid like buds that come off of it they and are tiny
2: yeah and how, like the I size mean of the, the thumb.
0: pod itself is pretty huge but mm-hmm. how long does it take for that pod to grow is it a one-year
2: cycle uh no cocoa um I mean it depends on where you are some of some like if Some communities, they might have pods year round, though there's typically a mid-harvest and a main harvest. Um, So the pods take four. uh, And I'm not like the best at this because I don't grow cocoa. You can practice on us. Yeah. (laughs) 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 I'm like, uh, like, I I kill everything. I'm so thankful that I uh, work with very competent farmers (laughs) and don't have to be (laughs) one myself. Um, They they grow to about a pound, you said? Yeah, they're about a pound and they take about four to six months to mature. I think closer to six, but... Um, what yeah. are midges? Midges are a... Um, the, a well, they're a pollinate. Yeah, they're, they're a tiny bug. They're a pollinator. Um, and they're what pollinate the flowers because cacao is not a self-pollinating um, plant. It needs they're, a, the a budget. They're are picky. I don't know how picky they are. I don't really know much about midges. I just know that that's who pollinates the cacao. Okay. <laughs> so I I like them, except that I don't really like them because if you spend any time in a cacao farm like in a cacao farm, you'll see any pictures of me typically like I've got full on long sleeves and everything because like <laughs> everything bites.
1: <laughs>
2: oh,
1: no. How did you end up traveling to the places that you um have chosen to source from
2: the, the fr- first one was, you know, when I just, when I wanted to get into cacao and this is this in and of itself is opening I felt like, well, if I say that I want to really make a change in cacao farming communities and living wages and things like that, I better understand what their life is like. And not that I still do, but I better, you know, like I spent some time there and I, you know, coming from the wine industry, knew lots of people that had moved into chocolate and, um, not one of them could connect me with a farming community. And that in and of itself was eye-opening. So it took about six months of networking for me to find my way to a, a place that I could even learn on the ground with, with farming farmers. And, um, so yeah, four or five steps removed. Like it was like, one of my friends in Indonesia introduced me to her friend who introduced me to his colleague who introduced me my (laughs) kids and eventually I found myself on Sulawesi, well on Bali with them. And then traveling all over, I happened to overlap, which was just really I'm grateful for because it gave me a much bigger picture while I was there the first three months, just kind of learning. Um, I overlapped with a, a roadmap on how to sustainably double cocoa production that the whole nation of Indonesia was doing in conjunction with um, several national governments uh, that buy cacao and then, um, you know, the big producers. And so then I got connected with several other organizations and got to learn from not just from the one I was interning with, but several others.
0: So with um, vanilla, there's like a weird thing that happens when the guys, people go to buy the vanilla. It's like a cash operation is is cacao a cash operation? Like when you go to purchase, do you have to like have a guard with you, and you have like a big suitcase full of money, or how does that go?
2: <laughs> it varies from co-op to co-op. Um, okay. The co-op in Honduras, um, they what they do is they have they bring a scale with them, so they do a, what's called a collection, and so they actually. Go to places that are closer to where the farmers live and bring a scale with them and then give the farmer a receipt that if if the farmer is banked, then they will receive um, an electronic transmission for it Um, in that. Co-ops case, about 20% of the farmers don't have bank accounts. And so then after the collection, that farmer would need to go to the office where they can be a little bit more secure um, and pick up the money. Um, and I, I haven't been to that office, but I've been on a collection run. And so I've seen how that goes. And then I wonder then if don't...
0: you could help people understand the banking system and help women get bank accounts. I think that would be pretty liberating.
2: Yeah, yeah. So the women that we work with, so they come in as day laborers. Um, and I believe so the ones it's a similar thing where the ones that have a bank account get an electronic transfer and the ones that don't, don't. I have not gotten involved with that because I don't pay them. I pay the co-op and then the co-op is the one that employs them. So um, I haven't inserted myself in that situation yet.
0: (laughs) Kim, you and I talked earlier this year about some farm to table training and, and education that you're thinking about doing for women. Where are you at with that program? Are you still heading down that path?
2: Still heading down that path. We, in fact, just, um, so one of the, the groups that is interested in that training when it, when, when they're ready and we it's just kind of one of those chicken egg things, um, there is a group called Red Much in Honduras. And in fact, if, you know, um I can I'll send you the link, Sarah Masoni. And if anybody else is interested, <laughs> we can post it, I suppose. Um the Northwest Chocolate Festival um, has been the past three weekends. And so oh. um I spoke on empowering women on Saturday with the leader of Red Much out of Hon- Honduras. And then one of the and another woman leader out of Trinidad shared some of her story about Via video, but um, Red Much has about forty-five women entrepreneurs associated with fifteen co-ops in uh, Honduras that are developing various products. Really cool stuff. Everything from like cocoa wine to um, wow. drinking chocolates and traditional pinole. Um, about and, you know, hot sauce. <laughs> you know what, Sarah Marshall? I think they might need a hot sauce coach. <laughs> There's probably some really good hot sauce. Why you couldn't could make. we make it with the
0: white fuzzy stuff? Because you could kind of make that into a hot sauce. The you outside.
2: could. Yeah. The, like the, the pot fruit.
0: That's kind of yeah, sweet. Well,
2: the, yeah. The, the fruit is really sweet. If, you, um, if you've ever tried cacao juice, that is available in the U.S. Um, not widely. But yeah, it's a nice, um, less floral than a lychee, but kind of that flavor profile. I wonder if you could... Extract
0: the sweetness from that and crystallize it, and then sweet use that as your sweetener on the outside of the of
2: the candied ones. The um, one of the big processors is doing that. I feel like Calibo might, Calibo or Nestle, I forget now which one. One of them is doing that, where it's a one hundred percent. It's more sustainable. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I mean.
0: It would be because then you would be putting less into the ground, you know, less waste. Mm -hmm.
2: I think they still use, I mean, most places now that I'm aware of are using the fruit in some form or, well, so, because the, so let me just kind of unpack that for, so the pod itself is like the outside of a, like a pumpkin or a squash. Like, I'm not sure how edible that is. Kind of looks like Um, a
0: football almost, doesn't it? Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. And then there's the fruit around the seeds and that's what could be made into like a juice or a hot sauce or sugar, Mm -hmm. things like that. Or Um, maybe, um, vodka. Yeah, well, that, they do make an alcohol with it down. Yeah, the women of Redmuch do do yeah. a wine or alcohol with it. Yeah. Nice. Okay, good. Yeah. So there are those options, um, but it's mostly with the fruit around the seeds. And a lot of that fruit is actually used to ferment the beans themselves too. So you get a dual purpose there. That's cool.
1: I, you're making me realize how very little I know about this process. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you'll have
2: to go to do you ever travel to hawaii or to other like tropical environments sarah marshall i don't <laughs> okay <laughs> no. well should you ever you should check i'm sh- like cocoa grows almost everywhere like or almost like in all those tropical areas like a lot of people you might be able to find some like a fun we- little small chocolate factory
0: Kim, i think we forgot to ha- ask you how people can contact you on social media and we need to talk about all the flavors you have too
2: Okay. Well, we did, we, we got that at the beginning, but I'll share okay. again. Okay. It's uh, Instagram and Facebook at good King cacao. And then the other flavors we have, well, we, we launched new flavors last I week. I was just looking. You have tell, tell a us rise, about abound, delight. Woo-hoo. Yeah. All in compostable bags too, which I'm super excited about. Yay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so so the, the original flavors are all, you know, 80% cocoa content. Um, those are harmony, love, strength, and joy, and they go from sweet and salty to, um, yeah, the love we already talked about mint, rosemary, and sea salt is joy. And then the strength we already talked about as well. And then we launched one sweeter harmony, um, in conjunction. It was actually the, taste profile that our partners in Honduras prefer. And so I launched that in, um, we, we developed a different way to roast as well in 2019 when I was last there. And so that's the Harmony 65%. Um, and then Delight is, uh, the same, it's, it's actually the same ingredients as the Harmony 65 and the Harmony 80, but with a little bit of added cocoa butter. And so it just for. For people that have, so similar to the way, the way, cheese or chocolate might make a wine taste more smooth. Oh, a little bit of added cocoa butter. When you see like the really high percentage chocolate bars, typically they mm. add extra cocoa butter, and it just it takes the edge off of the the darkness of the cacao. That makes so sense. So we added a little bit of cocoa butter to the delight, okay. and then. Um, the, the Arise flavor is coffee or a cafe latte. And that was inspired by our, uh, by Angie of Chocolate Spiel. She makes a gorgeous cafe latte bar w- with coffee and chocolate and a little bit of coconut cream uh, or coconut milk powder. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's, that would be such a great flavor with Coag Excel since they grow both the cacao and the coffee. And um, so that one is actually of Ooh. the new flavors we've launched has been our favorite, everybody's favorite. They just love it. That now
0: thing. I see the difference because you, when you eat through them, yeah, and you try it with the ones with the coconut oil, it makes it makes it richer. Yeah, it does. A little more chewy too. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. More caramely. So,
2: yeah. So that was the that was the goal was to make it more of like a a like a really indulgent treat um since that seems to be what people look for in their chocolates.
0: <laughs> so how much do you have to eat to keep you awake all night long? Uh-
2: <laughs> Uh, It depends on how sensitive you are to caffeine. So of the 80%, if you had a single serve of our 80% line, it's about half of a cup of coffee. If you finished the whole entire bag. No, it's not bad, but it's cocoa has got something called theobromine in it. And so it actually keeps you alert, but won't raise your heart rate or prevent you from sleeping. Okay. Um, so unless you're unless, you know, you're super sensitive to dark chocolate already, in which case, then you're sensitive to theobromine as well. But
0: now uh, I see you have a good food award for the Harmony product from 2018. Are you going to submit products again
2: to them for evaluation or what do you think? You know, we haven't in the last. Well, we didn't this past year. Well, just to Um, let you know, they're having the mercantile here on April 29th. I know! I know! I just encourage someone to to go to it. Um, Are you going to go? I, you know, for us, it doesn't make as much sense because we do, um, most of our product, our sales are direct to consumer. Oh, okay. Yeah, so the mercantile... um, and, and the reason that is is it's not because we don't love retailers. It's because you know they don't really have the bandwidth to educate customers about a completely new product. And I joke that you know I mean it's definitely interesting. Like there's pluses and minuses to doing something super innovative like this. It's the you know the pluses training is like nobody education. else is doing it. But the the training and education like my yeah, joke is ninety five. And yeah. 95% of customers are 100% sure we're selling a coffee bean because <laughs> like, nobody's ever seen a cocoa bean. And so they look at it and they're just like, yeah. Oh, it's a coffee bean. And even after you put it in their mouth, then I'll say, Oh, you know, do you, are you dark chocolate? Lo-? Like when, you know, back in the days when we could all demo, um, I'd say, you know, are you dark chocolate lover? And they'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they put this in their mouth and they're like, wait, what is this? <laughs> so I'm like that's a chocolate bean, that's what chocolate's made out of, and they're like, I thought it was a coffee bean. I'm like, no, no, I feel no like i bean.
1: I thought the exact same thing until I went yeah. to the website and read through everything, but I mean and but I think with um. You know, with educating people, I think you just have to kind of find the right place. Like I would see your stuff rather than a grocery store in like an outdoor store where people are mm-hmm. looking for something that is already ready and it, it and in a different format than what they would find at the store because it's just something they can take out on trails or something. So I, w- I would think that's where your stuff would, would work the best. Yeah, you, it was so a great ideas. idea.
0: So yeah. I see on your, you have recipes on your... On your website, pairing the recipes. And one of them is avocado toast with these cow beans.
2: It is so good. Indo- so in Indonesia, it. yeah, no, in Indonesia, avocado and, and chocolate is, in dark chocolate is a super, like, it's one of the most popular combinations. And so I was actually hanging out with the gal that, um, one of my friends from Indonesia and her son, and, and they were making avocado toast for breakfast and and huck was like i'm gonna put the harmony snacking cacao on it i'm like i think that's a really good idea and we both were like oh my gosh this
0: is so good you can make a pecan pie with these
2: you can yep yeah what the whoa that would be so good and super dark chocolatey it's and a lot of your pairings
0: are with dairy products which is very interesting
2: yeah. yeah,
1: I saw I saw that you um, on the bags it say it says to, um, you know, that they accompany cheese really well. And as soon as I thought that, I thought that I saw that I was like, that makes a lot of sense because you ha- they have so much flavor, you know, with the with the different, especially the ones I tried, like the um, smoked paprika and chili and orange. Mm-hmm. And then it would hold up against that cheese really nicely. And you have
2: yeah.
0: it paired with Guinness. Have you tried it with any other beers like the IPA or anything yeah. like that? Because yeah, beer is really good with chocolate.
2: It, yeah. And that's my preference. Like people, you know, a, a lot of people say, Oh, you were from the wine industry. Like, what do you suggest with this? And I was like, I don't really, I mean, like I, I can come up with raspberry liqueur would be super good with this. Ooh, yeah, that would be, I, I've been wanting to do so. So what I didn't launch because we just, it's not yet ready. It's like, I was wanting, I was playing with flavors that are often chocolate covered. So I loved that. Like we did a, like a coffee covered chocolate bean instead of a chocolate covered coffee bean. Yeah. And the same thing, like I was playing with, um, we're playing with strawberry right now too. It just wasn't ready to launch, but it's a strawberry covered chocolate bean instead of a chocolate covered strawberry. So maybe for Valentine's day, we'll get our act together.
0: <laughs> so I saw you have it paired with bourbon, which is really interesting. Bourbon seems to be a popular pairing item right now with different.
2: Yeah. Those are easier. I feel like something that's not so, yeah. So beer is easier. And so IPAs, um, I mean, it depends on the IPA. I wouldn't be able to give you like a blanket, like one of our flavors goes with all of them because I feel like IPAs are so different, but, um, but I do, I do have some beer pairings on the website. Oh, I see. You have pairings with each of the different flavors. Yeah, I was
0: like, "Why are these all with harmony?" And I'm like, "Oh, you have well, to- you clicked on harmony?" <laughs> I'm like,
2: oh, this- <laughs> I see. Yeah, you can sort. We have oh my like gosh. I don't know how many recipes on our you site. Have an awesome website. Oh, thank you. You're I pairing it with ribeye. That one is so good. So joy, in particular. So I'm not a meat eater, but you know, like my friends send ideas, and then I'll just try a bite or salami. Um, The salami goat cheese with the Joy flavor is ridiculous. It's so good. I'm gonna do it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you should do it. It's like the you. It's so surprising because the Joy, the Joy in particular, like you know, the 80 percent line. There's not a. You know what I'm gonna do when I go to judge cheese for American Cheese Society in
0: May. I think it's in May in Minneapolis. I'll bring cocoa beans with me. I'll bring your stuff with me and give it to all the cheese judges. Like I'll walk around and go, Oh, you're tasting the blue cheeses. You should try this joy. With love blue
2: cheese and love. is good. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to do it for sure. Yay. I'll just have to hook you up make sure you have enough to go around. Kim. Yes. (laughs) Do you
0: have any last minute, you know, ideas or suggestions you'd want to make to
2: someone starting up a new food business? Oh, that is a great question. Um, I think just find something that you're passionate about because it's a long haul to get Mm -hmm. to build a food business. And so I I have had friends that have been really disappointed that they're, they're not, you know, bringing in big money right away. And um, so I would just say, you know, like find something that you're passionate about and people that, you're passionate about i mean that really makes a huge difference to the the people that you know that we get to work with particularly in the farming communities are always just so inspiring um and yeah i like i mean industry wise too like i would say i think you know like small and local as you guys have created that too and i hear sarah marshall in particular talk about all your friends that you've made at the the Farmers markets and things yeah. like that. Like, find a collaborative group. Like, I she love is a like, real community supporter. Yeah, and I feel like that's huge too. Like, even like, don't be afraid to like be in a commissary kitchen and build community there. And don't you know? Like, there's a lot of those types of things that I just feel like are such wonderful support networks as you get started. Um and so, so don't so many you know, opportunities. Yeah, especially in the Pacific Northwest, I feel like. And mm-hmm. my my advice is I don't know what classes you have right now, Sarah Masoni, but you should go to the Food Innovation Center. <laughs> just I tell just, everybody Just call that. me up, I'll give you your own personal class on whatever you need to know. <laughs> I did have to do one of those because I missed one. I remember having to like do a makeup class with Sarah. <laughs> but um but no that 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 for me even having come from a background with with knowing like kind of like big corporate food and all the stuff that you have to go through just um coming back down to just micro scale was so helpful and you guys have so many great resources
0: we help people that we've been working with for more than 15 years will come back and still want to help have us help them so Yeah. yeah
2: I That's tell everybody here to drive down. But <laughs> <Good laughs> well, we always
1: want, want to um, send people to you directly. So what's the best way for people to buy your snacks? Best way is to
2: come to goodking.co. C-O. Perfect. Yeah. And, I, okay. and I love to, when they come just to, yeah. Cause I do little handwritten notes when people order too. So I love just connecting with them individually. <laughs> That's
1: so good. I love that. I always wanted to do that, but it never has actually happened.
2: Oh, you just need to have a sweet friend and make some cute stationery for you, Sarah Marshall. So then that way you want to write a quick note.
1: Such a good idea.
2: Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. It was great to chat with you
1: and hear about your business. And we will send people your way. And thanks for being our
2: 100th guest. Yay! Thank you. That's super exciting. And congratulations to both of you. That is amazing. Yeah. And I just so appreciate the community you're, you're building here. So well done. Yeah. Super cool. Thank you.
1: We record Missoni and Marshall live every week. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you to our audio engineer, Alon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you would like to be a guest on the show, you can send us a message to our Instagram, Missoni and Marshall. Until next week. Bye, everybody. Bye for now.
0: Market of Choice is a proud sponsor of Meaningful Marketplace. As a family-owned Oregon grocer for 42 years, Market of Choice strives to inspire, mentor, and assist a diverse group of local producers and foster equity in our communities. With 11 stores in Oregon, Market of Choice supports these craft makers, as well as farmers, fisher folk, and ranchers, by bringing more than 7,000 local products to market. Together, we form a sustainable, community-based food system that serves our great state. To learn more, go to marketofchoice.com.